line from Djokovic. Oh, he's passed! Djokovic is passed, and Sasha Zverev is the champion in London in straight sets against the world number one, Novak Djokovic. Djokovic has climbed over the net. Sasha Zverev is on his back on the court, and now the two embrace at the end of the court. Sasha Zverev has won the biggest title of his career, and he's won it in style. Straight set, 6-4, 6-3. Hey, I'm Alex Zverev, and this is what's coming up on the show. Happy New Year, and welcome to the first ATP Tennis Radio podcast of 2019. Last year ended up being a very good one for Sasha Zverev, champion at the NITO ATP Finals. It was an even better one for Novak Djokovic. We'll hear from him shortly as he starts a new year as world number one for the fifth time. How will Djokovic and Zverev fare this year and will their rivalry intensify? Former world number one Andy Murray is back out on court, but how is his body holding up? Stan Wawrinka, Thomas Birdie and Grigor Dimitrov are all off and running this year. Is that a sign of things to come? Stay with us for the next 30 minutes or so as we ponder all these questions and more in the company of Murray's former coach, Miles McLaggen, and another top British player, Arvin Palmer. And they're both also armed with their time capsule predictions for 2019. Arv, of course, also starting the year as the defending and inaugural time capsule predictions champion. I'm Seb Lozier, and this is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Miles, Arv, first of all, Happy New Year to you both here in Wimbledon Village at well, it's a regular haunt now for ATP Tennis Radio, the lovely Maison Saint-Cassien. How was your break? And more importantly, how was the coffee, Miles? Well, Happy New Year to, to all of you too. Yes, we're, it was a nice break. We're, we're back into the swing of things and lots of, yeah, how will this year unfold? And the coffee's very nice, thank you, as it always is. Oh. Yeah, very good. Actually, my, uh, my break was, uh, was lovely, actually, but very quick. Uh, just, uh, it's amazing how quickly a month goes, but uh, ready to get back into it. Ready for another year. Should be a, a great year, exciting year. Lots of players playing well. Plenty of players on the comeback trail. Players that are coming into the new year in great form. See if they can continue. So a lot to be excited about. I'm going to give you both a chance to think of your, remember your abiding memory of 2018. Miles? Well, the first thing that comes to mind there is, is just sort of Djokovic's resurgence. You know, that, that was quite incredible. Um, you also remember that match right at the end of the year, it's most recent. Uh, Zverev looking very strong. How much of that mentality, how regularly we'll be able to impose that mentality on court this year? Yeah, and I think uh, I kind of reversed that. I think, of course, uh, Djokovic's resurgence, but I'll go for the start of the year when Federer won in Australia. Um, if I thought that final was outstanding. Uh, a few question marks, was he going to be able to get, get back? Uh, you know, he reclaimed number one in the world as well, come Rotterdam, the oldest ever world number one. I mean, it was fantastic to see him playing so well at the start of the year. That, that final is uh, going to be etched in my memory in Australia for quite a while because uh, really the way he played, the aggression that he showed, it was fa- a, a, a fantastic uh, advert for tennis. And Arv, as you mentioned, the break seems very short, not nearly long enough. For the players, it probably feels even shorter. They have a little bit of rest and recuperation and then straight back into training. Miles, is there a hard and fast rule for the best way to do that, the off-season? The players generally have a 
you know, they're probably looking at two weeks off. Then, then they'd start with some physical work, building that up um, with a bit of tennis, and then slowly start to phase, you know, more tennis and more physical. I think it depends. You know, the likes of the, the players that we were watching at the end of the year, the O2, obviously their break is a lot shorter. I mean, up to two or three weeks, and then of course they had the Davis Cup after that two or three weeks shorter than the bulk of the players but you know I think they know the likes of Federer who's become a master they know that they have to take time out during the year and they trust that they're going to get those results so they don't need to play every week but um, yeah I think players do they generally get that 10 days two weeks but then quite a few of them we talked to Jez Green didn't we at the end of the year said well give Zverev two weeks but after about 10 days I know I'll be getting those those calls going I'm ready I'm ready and of after that rest, you have, well, it's a physical beasting, isn't it? Whichever way you look at it, you come back and then you, you've got to put it back in the legs. Did you, <laughs> I was going to say, did you relish that as a player? But <laughs> what does that entail? Have you seen me recently? Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't my favourite part of the year, to, to tell you the truth, because you know it's, uh, you know it's just a lot of pain ahead of you. But, uh, you know, it's... Um, it is enjoyable at the same time that you're getting, as you say, you know, you're getting the work into the legs. But generally, players will start out kind of physical. You know, there'll be a lot in the gym, you know, lifting weights. There'll be a lot of track sessions, depending kind of where you are in in, in your tennis life. Obviously, some players, um, you know, further down the line, where okay, it's it's a case of getting stronger, but you don't want to overdo it on the track. I mean, the injuries, perhaps. Uh, you know, you've got to take care of, uh, so it's more sort of getting your body in shape, making sure that you're strong enough, but, you know, you're not going to re-injure something, and then two or three weeks of that, perhaps, um, and then you've got to start getting back on court. So if, you, if you've got some technical issues that you want to work on, say, for Gregor Dimitrov, for instance, you know, he wanted to utilise his time out in Vegas with Andre Agassi, so, you know, having watched him at the end of last year, you could already see he was trying to make some technical changes, especially on his, on his serve, so... It's hard to make those changes in such a, a small period of time, so it's a work in progress. So, you know, technical changes minimum take about you know five to six weeks, and especially if you're trying to change a server or forehand, that can be tough. So, it's, it, it all depends on the player and what they're trying to get out uh, of that that off season. I mean, generally players try to, to bulk up, get strong, make sure the injuries are in check, and, and then work on their game. I was going to ask about Dimitrov. Um, I'll, I'll jump back to that now, though, Miles. In the case of Dimitrov, he's obviously been working on his serve. It, it looks a little bit different. Will he have had a rest too? Or, or is that something that is so fundamental, so integral, so important that he'll have been at that every day? No, I think he would have had a rest. And, you know, there would have been a lot of frustrations for him last season as well. So I think he would have just need a little bit of time just to decompress. But, you know, you, you can also... Um, you know, off-season doesn't, you don't have to be lying on the beach. It's sometimes it's just about getting some nice meals at home and not sort of having, you know, turning up at the courts every day. So there's no reason that you couldn't be, you know, hitting a, hitting a half an hour bucket of serves, just rolling the arm out and, you know, whatever those changes are. Um, just try, trying to just start feeding those into your game because that will take time. You know, the, that, that'll be over for these guys now. I mean, Dimitrov's already played... Um, this year so that that time for technical works is finished and like as I've said you know you've got someone like Agassi now on the team so you want to maximize that time that that you're with him yeah you mentioned Agassi do you expect him to have the the Midas touch with Grigor um in in what he's doing with him and and his coach Danny Valverde of course look I think you know I think for the for the general public and the fans I think sometimes they may see it like, well, he's got the he's got the magic dust, doesn't he? He's just going to sprinkle a little bit of, of that on on Gregor and all be sorted. But you know, it's it takes time, it takes work. Um, 
you know, Andre Agassi will tell you straight up that it's just about good old-fashioned hard work and getting out there and working on your game. I think, uh, you know, from Dimitrov's side, you know, he's known him for many years. Um, you know, Andre was aware of Gregor as a young junior, so they get on well. And you know, listening to him this week in Brisbane, he talked about, you know, it's not all about improving the game. It's obviously, I'm, he's there to improve my game, but it's having somewhere, someone there that's, you know, been through some ups and downs in in his career and his life in generally, generally. And he's obviously come out the other end. Andre got back to world number one and was, you know, he, it was a fantastic comeback from him. But also having someone around that you trust and you're great friends with. And sometimes that's that's enough. Sometimes just to make you feel good because you look at the way Gregor was playing at the end of last year it was just a man that was just so lacking in confidence match wins and you cannot uh, underestimate how important confidence is for players especially at the very top end it's you know on any given day there can be anyone but if you haven't had the matches and you don't have that confidence it's very difficult and that's why he he slipped down the ranking look still inside just inside the world's top 20 it's, it's not a disaster but you know it wasn't the year that he was looking for after 2017 winning uh, the tour final so you know, I thought from what I saw this week in Brisbane that he got off to a decent start. Unfortunately, the match that he lost, kind of the double fault started creeping in a bit. But, you know, it takes time. These things take time. But on the whole, he was playing a lot better than he was uh, kind of pretty much for the whole of 2007, uh, 2018. And we'll find out in a little while whether you both think he'll reach the Nito ATP finals because your time capsule predictions will form the basis of this week's podcast. So let's just remind ourselves what each of the ATP Tennis Radio team are going to be predicting for 2019. We start with the year-end number one in singles, uh, then the year-end number one doubles team. Then we talk comebacks and who you think will be the comeback player of the year. Then it's all about the younger players, breakthrough player of the year, and who will win the next-gen ATP final. Stefanos Tsitsipas, of course, the, the most recent winner of that. The sixth category, we have no idea, because as last year's winner, Arv gets to choose it. Arv, what is it to be? Well, after a little bit of deliberation, uh, I wanted to keep it with the players. So I've chosen. Uh, I was given a few suggestions, it must, must be said, but uh, the one I like... Uh, is uh, who will win the most titles in 2019. That's what I'm going to go for. I mean, you could go with the obvious route and go with you know, the top guys, but you know, you've got a lot of young guys winning some tournaments. You had someone like um, Medvedev, he won three tournaments. Fanini, I think he won three or four, didn't he? So yeah, he's racking up the numbers. So some of the, the lesser ranked players might win a few more of the, the, the lower, the 250 tournaments. I mean, all very tough, but they're more likely to win more of those than the 500s and the 1000s. Intriguing. Then we will have a five-part question carrying five points. One for naming the four Grand Slam, one each for naming the four Grand Slam winners, the Aussie Open, French Open, Wimbledon and US Open, of course, and also the winner at the NITO ATP Finals in London. And then there are eight points up for grabs for predicting the eight players at the 2019 NITO ATP Finals. And finally your headline of the year, which, if we're going on last year's, that it's subjective. It can be open to some kind of interpretation. It all sounds very simple. How does the time capsule work? I hear you all ask. Well, we all make our predictions, and then in next week's podcast at the Aussie Open, commentators Peter Mercato and Gigi Salmon go through them all before locking them all away in a little metal box in Melbourne. Peter keeps the box. 
Gigi gets the key to look after for the rest of the year. Then all being well, Key is reunited with Box in London in November and we all find out how well, or in my case, how badly our predictions have panned out. That is the plan. Opening the box ended up being far from straightforward in 2018. Right, so the time has come. I do have a slight confession to make, Peter. I forgot the key. Oh, no, I, I know where the key is, but I forgot to get it before I left to come here. So do you have the key? Well, obviously not. I told you, I swallowed it. No, but you came in here... In January. But you came here with the key, because I saw the I key had an in alternate the box. Key. I gave it to, I gave it to a hard-working producer. Oh, but, uh, okay, well, we'll give it a go. Let's give it a go. Let's see what we can actually do. I'm trying to get this... This, this, this actually, I, this may not actually be the right. I do have a lot of keys that I brought with me here. That's definitely not the right one. That's not the right one. Change it. That's not the right one. It's not going to happen. I don't, I don't think it's happening. What you're doing with that key? I don't know. We've got to be careful. We don't actually break it. Oh, that's a bit of a. All right. I'm going to try something else. All right. Hang on. I've got this hammer here. Isn't it a bit early for that? Hang hammer? on. Just wait a minute. Well, if we haven't got a key, we've got to get this open. We're on it, six. Hard working. Bring it over. Hardworking producers brought it How over. How did you Let's get through security try. with a drill or a saw? <laughs> Richard the Supertech has a lot of stuff, but just stand back, Gigi. Stand back. That's not working. That's not really working either. I'm just worried that they let you in. It's like a motorbike. Sounds like you've had to run over it. It's a chainsaw. Stand what back, is everyone. going on in the stand commentary back. box? Seb, save me. I've got to be careful I don't put a go straight through it. Paper will go everywhere. It's so it's small. Better, better if I go manual. Let's try that. How would you go from He's a chainsaw to a manual saw? It's manual. Let's go. Let's see if we can make this happen. I'm struggling to get through. Gigi, remind me, how there big is go. the uh, time capsule? It's Finally. the smallest time capsule, Seb. When you think the size of our team, I get to Australia. We're in the commentary box. We're just sort of sort of courtside the Rod Laver arena and it was the smallest box I've ever seen but I can say due to the drill the saw the manual saw the whatever it was well, the box well, hang on is hang on a sec just open let me get my breath back with that how do you That's get through security with that lot life never dull when Peter Mercato is involved so first up we have year end number one and before I ask you who you've gone for both Let's just briefly hear from the man currently back at the pinnacle of the game, Novak Djokovic. It was a great journey, turbulent journey as well. It took six months off uh, the second part of the 2017 season. I kind of started the year already experiencing um, a lot of pain in my elbow. And uh, I was going along, didn't know, you know where that's going to take me and I probably didn't address that major injury at the right time. So it was just getting worse. Everyone has had a certain major injury that they had to face. For me, it came later than sooner, which I'm very grateful for because I had a very long career with you know, not much of a hindrance. I had to go on the table and choose the invasive way of treating it. Um, and after the intervention was done, I didn't know how my body is going to react and feel. It allowed me to come back to the court pretty quickly after only you know, three weeks but I wasn't ready to compete and I went too soon in Indian Wells and Miami and just experienced kind of a, a low state of uh, my game in those two tournaments. A career best win for Terry Daniel. He takes out the five-time champion. After that, going through a process of thinking and doubting and kind of encouraging myself, so a lot was going on. 
but there was one thing that I had to learn the most from this process was patience and self-belief that always got me going in the tough moments. I had a great support of a team around me, obviously, and I had to change the racket and alternate my serve a little bit, but at the end of the day, last three, four months were terrific and it all paid off. Miles, is that the voice of the man you expect to finish this year as world number one? It is. It's hard to look past him. I and mean, he was playing such good tennis at the end of last year. Perhaps didn't finish quite as you'd like with those losses in, in Paris and uh, in London. But I think he was exhausted by the, the efforts of that second half of the year. To think that he finished somewhere around 2,000 points clear of Nadal, having only really started racking up the points uh, during the clay court season is phenomenal. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, a little early on about moments in 2018. I mean, Another one was Del Potro winning that first Masters 1000. In that stage, it was, you know, might he make a little press for number one? I mean, he can play on all surfaces. He's an absolute quality player. Uh, you know, Federer, of, of course, not playing the, that well at the end of last year, but still winning matches. You know, will they push Nadal? You expect to rack up on the clay, but Djokovic is just was looking head and shoulders above everybody else. And yes, I think he'll he'll have that title again at the end of this year. I'm, I'm with Mar uh, with Miles. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to look beyond Novak Djokovic, even though you know he did lose, but at the end of a couple of times at the end of the year in the in the big finals, but. You know, put in the the tiredness and the effort that he put in. Obviously, he was he was also a little sick as well. You know, had had a cold in Paris. It looked as if he wasn't quite over it in London as well. He just looked drained and tired. So, you know, of course, you know he, you're vulnerable then. And he's getting to that stage now when you're watching him again. Um, and this is what's so remarkable for me is that at the beginning of the year he looked so vulnerable in all areas. You know, his game was very fragile. Um, you know, forehands and backhands making a lot of mistakes with the backhand. I mean, who would have thought unforced errors on the, on the backhand wing? Um, you know, looked tired, looked gassed in that match. I think it was in, in Indian Wells where he, he said, you know, it, it felt like it, it was the first time I stepped out on tour, losing to Tara Daniel there. And then to think at the end of the year, looking so strong and getting back to the stage where you're thinking, where are the holes in this guy's game? And now? the passion wasn't there early on, yeah, was it? He just didn't look like he wanted to be out there, but but surely, gradually, the confidence started coming back, got Marion Vida back on the bag. He's, you've got to give him a huge pat on the back, got him working once again. You know, Marion is a guy that is a no-nonsense sort of coach and knows him so well, and, and, and it's a tried and trusted, successful formula that he's worked with, that's worked with Novak in the previous years. So that's why I think that worked so well when Novak got him back on board, because he goes, what he does works. Uh, and, and you're almost right now looking for a poor performance to Djokovic or being a little bit ill or a little bit tired to, to get the better of him because when, when he was fit, fit, 100% fit, he looked uh, unstoppable. And knowing what we know and having seen well, a limited amount of tennis this year, also with Nadal having withdrawn from Brisbane and a few other little subplots happening, who do you think will be his closest challenger this year? Who's going to push him? I think Federer will, will still be a challenge, of course. He's getting match wins under his belt already uh, and you know his sheer class you, you'd never write him off I think Zverev too I mean he's he's beaten him a number of times and he he played some quality tennis at the end of last year and you know as I was just saying about if you're looking for 
Djokovic, if he is a little bit off, I think Zverev is someone that can capitalize on that, you know, because it, if, if Zverev is focused, he's a tough, that's a tough proposition beating him as well. And a couple of times Djokovic just looked for whatever reason, whether it was the cold and, and, and worn out at the end of the year, which is no doubt about it. He just thought, no, I haven't quite got the legs and the energy for this. So, yeah, I think Zverev, and of course Nadal, you know, expect when the clay comes around, we'll all be, you know, wondering why we ever worried about him. But... <laughs> Yeah, you've got, you've got to have the ability, really, to, to hit Novak off. I mean, if you don't come with big weapons and you don't dictate points and you're not able to do it for long periods of time, there's no way you're going to outlast him if he's you know, fit and healthy and he's you know, motivated. We saw that this year. We've seen that in previous years. So, and Del Potro's you know, another Del guy. Del Potro, you know, you've got to come with weaponry like that, big serving forehand. You've got to try and keep the points nice, nice and short. You know, someone like a... If he gets his mojo back, someone like a Nick Kyrgios, you know, the only guy that I've ever seen just absolutely serve him off the court, gave him no chance. Uh, you know, you've got to come with that sort of firepower and, and you've got to be prepared to do it for two and a half hours to, to get the win. Um, so, you know, or take the ball incredibly early, like a Federer or, or someone like a Goffin who, you know, can trouble him in, in, in that one, Nishikori, um, and you've got to play a complete game. I'm conscious that we're sitting here in Wimbledon Village and we've gone 10, 15 minutes without talking about Andy Murray. We will come on to Andy Murray because, of course, we've got comeback of the year to, to talk about. And I want to ask you both what kind of Andy you think we're going to see this year. Um, first of all, let's talk doubles. Um, who's going to be the year-end doubles number one? Such a tough one to, to call this. I mean, who would have picked Marek and Pavic this time last year? Well, funny enough, they were my second choice, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> It is a tough one. Um, of course, Brian Sock combination, very strong at the end of last year. But I'm going to go for the guys that they beat, the French pair. I think their their quality, their um, they've won on the big stage, uh, and I think possibly they're due. And, and as much as anything, just because you don't, I mean, you can't imagine Marek and Pavic having another, you know, starting out the way they did. What did they? Well, they didn't start as well this week, did they? they were, <laughs> took a took a loss already, but pretty tough to emulate what they did last year. I mean, they were unbeatable for the first few tournaments played played so well and for me I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Kubot Mello um, they got off to a rough start in 2018 but the second half of the year was very good by them by the end of the year they were playing some really good ball they got big games uh, Kubot uh, just a very good tennis player was a very good uh, singles player back in the day excellent doubles player Mello with the big serve they combined so other great friends um, and they finished number one before as well. They, they managed to do it in 2017. So they, they know how to do it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go with them because they finished the year strongly. So they'll be highly motivated. Well, I was going to go really off piste. And I, I quite like the idea of Rajiv Ram playing with Joe Salisbury. I think if they play, because I think he was, you know, they finished the year really well, Rajiv Ram last year. He won a Masters 1000. And, but I'm, I'm not going to go for them. I'm going to go for the Bryan brothers, which is also pretty out there, I'm conscious of. Because if they finish the, world number, the year as world number one, they'll be, four, they'll be 41. What kind of Bob Bryan do we expect to see um, back? And it, I mean, it would be unthinkable, wouldn't it, for him to come back at the age of 40 and still do it? Well, we're seeing a lot of that right now. And um, I mean, he, he does have the great surf to fall back on. And, and to be fair, it was, it was in London in 2017 where I thought as a pair they started to look, start to look their age. But then to see the way, you know, Mike bounced back. Mm and was playing some great, you know, some great tennis. Why can't Bob do that as well? And, and perhaps that timeout rejuvenated and ready to go. And as you say, with the, these teams, it's hard to know 
um, of course, they have to stay together as a team for the year as well. To and, and you're pretty sure the Bryans are going to do that. But so always going to be a threat. Yeah, it was such a shame for Bob and Mike. They were combining so well at the, at the start of 2018. They, they were playing well. It was all about a season of going big on the tournaments again, playing a lot, and all about winning. And they were doing that. And to pick up that injury, and I think it was Madrid, wasn't it, where he had to withdraw. It was so unlucky because they were really starting to build up a, a nice head of steam. So uh, I hope he's uh, hope he's 100% fit. I know it's been a, a tough first week for them as a, as a pairing, but they're a class act, you know, and the doubles is um, all the better for it. I think a lot of the doubles players out there, um, they realise how much they have... Um, they, they, they need to thank the likes of the Bryans for, for putting doubles on the map and, and keeping it there, keeping it strong and improving uh, what they're entitled to. So I hope they're back and they come back strong. Yeah, incredible that Mike actually qualified twice for London, didn't he? Once with Bob and, and once with Jack and he ended up there with Jack. If Bob does come back, he could be eligible for comeback of the year, probably, which is the next thing we're coming on to talk about. Will it be another world, former world number one, Miles? winning comeback of the year can Andy Murray do what Novak Djokovic did last year I think he can in terms of winning the comeback of the year whether he'll get back to number one I think that's uh, that's going to be tough he's coming back from different and far more serious problems the other big name in that of course is Stan Wawrinka he's had his, his issues uh, knee problems and but I think I think Andy's going to win that title because I think he'll get back to a a good level um, I think it's going to be a little while before he gets back to you know where he, he where he was a few years ago. That's going to be very difficult and take some time. But I think he, I suspect that he'll do enough at least to, um, to to get that comeback player of the year. So what does what makes a comeback? What what are the actual guidelines? Is it back to the top ten if you've been number one? Or is it back to the top twenty? Well, this is a question I had because what Varinka's currently at sixty six. What would constitute a great comeback for him? Getting back to the top 15, top 10? I, yeah, I'm not it's quite subjective, sure isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go with Thomas Burdick. He You'll think spent, he'll get back to where? I, yeah, that's the, that was my question. That was really my... I think if he gets back inside the top 20, I think that's a comeback. I, I really do. I think it's a little ambitious to, to say that, you know, he's going to get back to the world's top 10 again. But um, I'll put it... I'll put it I basically say top 20 for him, um, and I think whoever whoever is doing this should give a number. Give okay, where they're going to get back to? I think that because everyone's got a different number as far as what what well, we, we, went, with the we went on with. It was the ATP award, right? That's what we went along. So is that with. always so the highest ranked player to get that? Not necessarily, award because it was just who who the I think the players voted for it, and there, there was no criteria. Yeah. So basically. We're kind of guessing who the okay. players I mean, are going to vote for. Andy, Stan, Thomas Burdick are going to all be in the picture, aren't they? I was discussing this with Lee Goodall, and, and you'll have to wait, I think, till next week to see who Lee finally went with. But he, for him, it's between Songa, Burdick, and Varinka. Um, and and from, I'm probably teetering between the three as well. Which body is going to hold up the best? And of those three, I kind of, I think Stan might pull it out and have one more really good year. What do you reckon? Because he does have that, that game, that firepower to blast through. I mean, you know, Andy's issue is that he played an incredibly physical game and he's coming, you know, obviously they both had physical problems, but you feel Stan can blast through a little bit more. I think we're going to have to see a slightly different version of Andy Murray, but just those... I think those competitive instincts and the and the effort he's put into comeback shows he, he wants wants to be there. In terms of the Murray game, 
is it going to have to change? We, we've, in the limited tennis we've seen him play this season, he seemed to be trying to finish the odd point off a little bit quicker. Is he going to have to change his style and not grind as much? I think he will, and even he said, you know, there's times, you know, 40 love down in a game, you maybe, you don't chase that lost cause. You, um, you save yourself a little bit, and, and that, that'll change the dynamics of the way he thinks and the way his opponents think as well, because those, you know, that might only count for one point, but that counts in the third, fourth, fifth sets when you just, you're thinking, you know, when, when will it, uh, you know, when will this guy give me something? So, you know, that might, might be a bit different. And, but, you know, he's got, he has got incredible talent and skill, so he can adapt. And, you know, he's got a big first serve. So will he throw some more serve volley? Will he start hammering second serves and coming forward? I think he's got the ability. I'd like to see it. Um, so I, th I think those are, those are areas that, are definitely possible and now perhaps with the back to the wall those changes a little bit you know going changing subject slightly like Dimitrov had the tough you know tough year last year back to the wall sometimes it's easier to make those changes when you've only got that option physically what's the easiest game plan for Murray to play this season is it to stay at the back or is it to go forward more because that puts pressure on the body too doesn't it I mean, they're both very tough, but I think the hours out there. I mean, we were just, you know, some of those matches going, we were early in the season going back to Australia when he played four or five hours with Djokovic and, and, and Nadal. That's, you know, that's not good for anybody's body. But let's not, let's not pretend that, you know, aggressive, dynamic tennis is not a stress as well. I think as much as anything uh, will be the fact that he's would have, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure he's had to adjust the way that he's trained off court. So a lot of that will be gaining confidence in himself that he still has the fitness and the movement despite not having done despite doing a different kind of training than the stuff he was used to like on the track and the heavy weights that gave him so much confidence. Of what's your head and your heart saying about Andy? Um, yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I mean, my heart wants him back there because you know the sport is all the better for it I mean some of the some of the, the best matches I've seen over the years last decade or so have, have involved Andy Murray and, and the way he plays how dynamic he is the passion that he shows um, but my head is possibly saying well you know so much uh, of his game is is revolved about his movement and, and gutsing out matches and grinding opponent, opponents down I mean it, it, that's part of his DNA that's the that's the way he plays. That's his kind of default setting. And, it, and it's hard at this late stage in your 30s to then suddenly, all of a sudden, have to, to, to change your, your game quite dramatically, your mindset more than anything. It, it's, it's a dramatic change there. But I think uh, as, as the, perhaps as the, the, the year unfolds and he's able to play more and more matches, that the realisation uh, will, will hit him that, you know, this is the only way to, to, to get back competing consistently and trouble the top players I mean you've always got to make adjustments someone like Federer was able to do it a couple of years ago under Stefan Edberg I mean, became a lot more aggressive and then obviously Ivan Lubicic he's continued that that really aggressive mindset continued that great work even I watching mean, that's something Nadal's done over his absolutely, career isn't it absolutely and watching Nishikori this week um, in Brisbane I mean, he's become a lot more aggressive. Uh, I mean, serve and volleying, coming in, second serve, serve and volley, hitting and, and charging the net. And, you know, this is a guy that didn't have surgery on his wrist, went the more conservative route, but I think he even realises that I've got to take the stress off my, my wrist. I've got to try and keep 
points a little bit shorter because I, you know I see myself playing for another you know what 29 years of age play perhaps for another five or six years and if, if I do want to play at the highest level I've got to start changing a few things now but before I'm almost forced to out of injury. Yeah, what a comeback that was last year. So just to confirm then, our comeback players of the year, because I know Gigi Salmon doesn't take any prisoners. She'll want a hard and fast <laughs> answer from all of us. Um, Miles, you've gone for Andy. I've gone for Andy. Arv, you've gone for Burdich. Yep. Thomas Burdich. I'm going to go for Varinka. And I'm conscious also I didn't give my year-end number one in the singles. I'm going, no surprise, for Novak Djokovic there. So breakthrough player of the year next. Um, talking up-and-coming players for a while now because we're going to talk about the next-gen winner as well. Um, what about breakthrough player? Who are we expecting big things from who we perhaps don't really know much about yet? Well, I, I think, uh, I mean, this, again, is always a, is a difficult one, how he's judge it. But my, I think my, outside the top 100. I think they have yeah, to be outside well, the top 100. Just outside, I think, at the moment, uh, Felix auger Aliassim. I mean, he's, uh, he's a, a big talent here. Big serve, big forehand, great athlete. Appears to you know enjoys being out there, and I think he's got the added bonus of his friend Denis Shapovalov is you know is ahead of him. So that's a nice little sort of carrot constantly dangled in front of him. Of course, if it goes that far, Milos Raonic as well, who's uh, older and achieved more in the game. But he's got two Canadians ahead of him. I think they've got a they've got a good bunch, and I mean his talent is 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 large. It's huge. You've also got Jack Sock just out the top 100, Arv, if you want. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I should have gone first because I went with Felix as well. Oh, you've but, gone uh, Felix. Miles, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I watched him a fair bit last year, actually, in Canada uh, and kept an eye on his results and it's been steady progress. I mean, he's had a few injuries as well and, you know, what we saw against Shapovalov, was it at the US Open where he, he was having kind of heart palpitations, he was struggling and had to withdraw and, and you could see how much he wanted it and how upset he was and, you know, he's hungry, he's got a, a great team around him. Um, so I'm going to go with him. He, he's, he's a great talent, wonderful athlete. He's got a good, such a mature head on his shoulders and he's already forging, you know, a very nice, I guess, game plan, uh, a strategy out there. You know, it's very clear with what he's trying to do. Big serve, get the forehand involved, ultra aggressive. You know, he can do a little bit of everything. And why I think he's going to be around for a long time is that he looks like a player that can play on all surfaces as well. So I'm going to go with Felix. Okay, so you're both going with Felix Ogialiasim. I'm going a little more off the beaten track. I'm going to go for a man who... Guy Forger likes to look off, and if Guy likes to look of him, then so do I. Hugo Humbert, the young Frenchman, I think he might uh, come good this year. Who knows? Uh, next category, next gen player of the year. For the eight players, 21 and under, former winners already, Hyun Chung and Stefanos Tsitsipas. Denis Shapovalov pulled out in 2018, but could be back. Tsitsipas, the reigning champion, may well be back, along with the man he beat last year's final, who we'll hear from next. And that, of course, is Australia's number one, the world number 31, 19-year-old Alex de Menor. After the best season of his career, Alex de Menor went back to Sydney, where it all began. This is Dominic, Thank my you, big brother. We don't get to see him very often, given his uh, hectic schedule and being around. And you know, the last time I saw him was uh, down at the Australian Open. So while we talk and message each other, um, it's great to have him home and spend a bit of time with him. Oh, it's very special because I don't get to come here as often as I would like to, and to be able to just come back and just be able to spend quality time with the family is 
it's something that you really miss when, when you're out there on, on the tour and travelling overseas so much. He doesn't have a whole lot of dirt, he's a good kid. Yes. Uh, Keep it going. Although I say that, he's a man now. Maybe when he was little, he was a little bit cheeky, but uh, and maybe a little bit still today, but you know, he's a good kid and it's always wonderful to have him around. So what tournaments have you got next? Oh, I'm starting off uh, Brisbane, and, uh, then going to Sydney and Aussie Open. What are you looking forward to the most? Probably coming back to Sydney. Yeah. It was fun last year playing in front of family and friends and stuff. Take it one step further. Oh, that would be nice. I can't wait to hear you yell out and lose your voice yes. like last year. Yeah, no problems. <laughs> I'll give it my all. been amazing and you know we feel like we're living it with him um, to see him uh, succeed and, and to have those moments it's just been wonderful like to see him go from strength to strength this year has just been a wonderful journey. Alex is very grounded as it is and we talk to him and and he's exactly what he seems to be the you know when he's with his family nothing changes so he's very grounded if he needs to be pulled in we'll pull him in uh, but it hasn't been the case yet. It's great to know that wherever I am in the world or whatever I'm doing, they've always got my back. A truly titanic battle. Alex de Minor has somehow prevailed. It really helps, especially in the tough moments when you're overseas and things might not be going your way, but to know that all these guys, they, they have my back and you know are wanting nothing but the best for me is uh, always in the back of my head and always helps me turn things around. Love watching him play. I keep asking him to stop making it so difficult on himself and his family. And if he can just win in straight sets, it'd do us all a lot uh, in terms of lowering our stress levels. Um, but he, he doesn't listen to me. Miles, who do you like for this next gen finals? Well, I think it's the man we've just heard from. I mean, so competitive. I don't think he's. Uh ready to make that move, say, into the top eight for London, so I think he'll be available for, for Milan. Um, yeah, just incredible, incredible speed around the court and just great attitude. Uh, and I think he'll, you know, the, the, those winners you mentioned, those past winners, uh, Hyung Chung, Tsitsipas, going on to do good things, Will has set this, this tournament alight. And, you know, players want to win it. It's a big deal now, and I think he's going to be completely up for it. It was a toss-up for me between last year's winner and, and, and the man that uh, Mars has just talked about, that last year's runner-up. And I'm going to go with Tsitsipas again because I don't think he's going to qualify for London. I mean, it's going to be interesting, actually, to see how that all unfolds, the next gen, and who's going to be there for the first time, who's going to be there maybe for the second time. And I think Tsitsipas, you know, if he qualifies, he's going to play. Um, and he's a type of player that's just so exciting. When he takes to the match court, it's all about winning. Um, I mean, he's such a good competitor. That ref that kind of determination to win. I think he he's almost one of these players that who hates losing, and and he uses that as, as such a, a motivation to win. Um, you know, he'll do anything. Um, and he's a he's a class act. You know, I think it, in occasions in matches, I think he's realised when perhaps he's just gonna gone a little bit too far with things but he's very quick to apologize and he's very respectful for the players and he's 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 a great he's a he's a great player to to have on the tour right now he is the future of tennis and if he plays it 
uh, next year if he qualifies, which I, I'm pretty sure he will because, you know, the way he plays, I think he'll just miss out on London. I think he, he'll, he'll do, the, do the job again. Bob, do you agree? He's quite deceptive, actually, how good he is. He makes it look, doesn't always look as though he's got the power that he clearly yes. does. And, he's, well, and, he, and he finds, gets, runs down balls. And you think, doesn't actually look like he's moving that quickly, but he's there. Yes, I, I know exactly what you meaning. What you mean there. When I watch him in between points, he kind of remi- reminds me a little bit of Andy Murray at his peak, yeah, where yeah. he looks like, whoa, is he toast here? Is he, is he going to be able to continue? He looks very tired. He kind of has his head back, his mouth open. He's sucking in the air. and then, But the next point, he's right back on it. Uh, and right I volley. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, hard, hard anything. And, uh, I think but but also just the ground strokes. I mean, he hits winners and that, but it doesn't ever look like it. You know, when Del Potro hits a big forehand, you know, yeah. or Nadal unloads. But there's a sort of a, a, an element for me of Sitsa where you don't think you think oh, I didn't really, it didn't look like he hit that hard but he's yeah, left com- coming through the, yeah it's com- coming through the court yeah I mean yeah it's a great talent you know he, he has, he's got a, a ball strike on him that is tough to teach you know what he does is is I think uh, quite uh, instinctive the way he plays the way he comes forward he's got he's got a good all-round game I mean last year we saw him grind from the back of the court you also saw him come forward and throw himself around at the net he's very committed I mean, he's set up his great. His, his father is seems such a nice, nice guy. Comes from very humble background. Uh, humble background. You know, the time that he spends away from the court, these vlogs that he puts together, he's very cultured for such a, a young guy. He, you know, take himself away for two or three days and just explore a city. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that's going to draw in a, a lot of fans. He'll always get a, a lot of support. Seems very balanced, yeah. So you're going with Tsitsipas, Arf. Miles, you're going with Dominor. I'm also going with Dominor to win that one. But while we're on the subject of young players, and before we move on, I know he's still very young. We've just talked about Denis Shapovalov. Does it feel like 2019 needs to be a year where he takes a step forward in the same way that perhaps Tsitsipas and Hatchinov maybe did in 2018? Yeah, perhaps. what I saw from some Shapoval at times was when his A game wasn't there, it was almost like he just accepted that and just kept swinging. And you'd like, I'd like to see him maybe just dig in on those. He's, I mean, he, he's a great athlete. He's a great ball striker. Um, and, and he can rein his game in a little bit if, you know, and play with a bit more margin. But there were a few times, you know, maybe it's unfair at the end of the year because I think he was exhausted. But there's times when, you know, players got to say, listen, I'm, you know, painting the lines is, is not working today. I've got to bring the margins in and, and just work a little bit more. So look to see that. I mean, need, there's a few words I hate when, you know, to commentating and talking about sport is need and should and just, but, you know, because it's, it's very easy to sit around and, and say what someone needs to do and should do. But, um, yeah, you, you, you'd like to also, as a young player, see him keeping momentum of improving because you can become... Uh, you know, if you s- maybe stick around too long, that scar tissue could build. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was a tough year for him. It was a little bit of burnout, wasn't it, towards the end? He looked a little exhausted. So I think he'll probably look at his schedule and maybe just tweak a few things here and there. I mean, he is young, so you're keen to, to, to get out there and play. And he loves competing. He loves playing matches. So that's his strength. But there's a fine balance to be had if you're winning a lot of matches then you can just lighten the load a little bit. But you're well, also It was his first full year on the tour, wasn't and, it? And that's the amazing thing. It was his first full year. And players become wise to that as well. You know, they've got a, a whole year of looking at his game. You know, a lot of those players are very smart. A lot of scouting goes on. So they've got to 
get better game plans together. There was a, a coaching change in there as well, so that can be quite disruptive as well. So it'll be interesting to see what his team looks like this year. But I expect a expect a, a good year from him. I mean, he's such a such a talent. You know, again, a player that can play on all the surfaces, and he's, he's at that age where you're you're fearless as well. So you play with no consequence and. And you go out there and you be aggressive and he's going to get his fair share of wins. And just a final one on this, um, because he's one of many really in that class of 2018, from 2017 from the next gen. Besides Verev, who's there already, who do you expect most of from, from these guys? From Shapovalov, Hachinov, Chorich, Medvedev, Rublev, Chung. Who's going top 10 this year of these guys? Well, we're jumping ahead a little bit because... I'm going with Hatchinov because he's one of my picks for for London. I think um, it's a tough one. I had, but he was so impressive. His game looked so complete. The serve was huge. Um, the, the athleticism was was very impressive. The forehand, you know, he, again he he beat a a tired Djokovic at the end of the year. But the way he handled the occasion and and he'd come through some big matches before that. Isner in a tough match yeah. and and he, I think he'd, he'd played Isner in Cincinnati perhaps earlier in the year. Played, I mean, and he's I mean, a, how how composed was he as well? Yeah. I mean, he didn't bat an eyelid. Never got overexcited. Didn't get too down on himself. There was some tight moments there and, and and winning such a big tournament. No signs. Of nerves, so the way he carries himself is so so impressive, you know. So you you have to tip your cap, cap at that. And I'd probably, if I had to pick anyone breaking the world's top ten out of that group, I, it might not happen. But you know, for me, it, it would be him out of that group. As much as anything, and that's why you know I always thinks Zverev is is going to be a big threat. When you serve the way those guys do, it's you're always going to churn out a certain amount of matches without having to play play great. And you know they've all got the desire up at the top end. Miles, interesting. You've gone for Hatchinoff in your top eight. I'm I'm relieved and reassured because I have as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. Question six, Arv's choice. Remind us what it is, Arv. My question is, uh, who will win the most titles in 2019? So I'll, I'll let you answer first, Miles. Well, this man features a lot in my answers, and Novak Djokovic. I, again, I think he's just he's going to churn out a lot of wins, a lot of titles. Um, you know, we talked about how difficult it is for other players to get their hands on a trophy. Just a quick glance through. I mean, uh, I think uh, five titles by Rafa. We expect him to mop up a few on the on the clay. Uh, last year, this was 2018. Four from Fed, but. You know, if you're going to go for it with a safe bet, it's Djokovic. You just expect him, you know, probably a couple of slams, a few masters, one or two others in there. As you've asked the question of, I'll give my answer first. I, <laughs> I'm I supposed to go first, aren't I? <laughs> I expect Djokovic to, to win the most as well. My choice is Djokovic as well. I think he's, he's got a strong, he's got a good chance of winning all four majors, a good chance, but I don't think he will. I don't think he will, but he's going to win his fair share. I think he's going to win his fair share of Masters 1000s and throw in a couple of 500s and a 250. Then and 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 he's there, isn't he? So, so for a bonus that, question, that's the biggest question: which 250 yeah. is he going to win? Uh, but I mean, this is all subject to, to fitness, isn't it? I mean, the, the yeah, you know, it's it's difficult. It, it is difficult for to call because so much can change you pick up a little bit of an injury a reoccurrence of an old injury you pick up a new one and, th- and we'll be looking back in six months hopefully not and we're thinking oh wow how, how quickly did that player's year fall apart because if he lost a bit of confidence got a little bit 
of yeah, an injury. I, so I think that's a key thing that we maybe take way too much for granted. I mean, it was Andy Murray looking unbeatable and has barely no, played it, since then. and got, got to world number one and, and never was able to capitalise on it because the hit became such a big issue. I mean, such a, a shame for him. So there are, there are some pitfalls when you win a lot as well because the body takes a little bit of a pounding. So it's a balance you have to find. Hardworking producer Russell's gone for Zverev. He's the only person around the table who disagrees with all three of us. I think we're all, we're all going for Djokovic to win the most tournaments of the year. OK, penultimate category has five points up for grabs. Arv, last year, I think you scored four out of five for predicting all four Grand Slam winners, which is pretty amazing. You didn't pick Zverev to win at the O2, which is one of the only things I did get right. Um, who do you have this year for these five? For these five, right, look at, let me look at my answers. Right, I'm going to go with Djokovic for Australia. <laughs> I'm going to go with Nadal for the French. I think right now Nadal is in a pretty precarious position, isn't he, with the injuries. It only seems like at the moment that the only surface where he's injury-free and, and feels very comfortable on is when he's got clay under his, his feet. I think the other surfaces are beginning to become very demanding for him. And to be honest, I thought his body would be in this sort of shape a lot sooner than it actually has. So he's actually held on a lot longer than I actually thought. You know, you look at the way he moves on a hard court and of course the demands of a, of a grass court. I mean, the G-forces going through your body, the stopping, putting on the brakes and having to push out the corners. I mean, with his style of game, is very, very tough. I think he's done an amazing job to, to stay as healthy as he has up till this point. So I think, you know, everything now in his career, I think will probably start revolving around that clay court, that clay court season and trying to notch up as many clay court events and French Opens. So Nadal and then Djokovic for, for Wimbledon. Wimbledon. And then, you guessed it, Djokovic. <laughs> For the so US Open. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about the winner here, aren't we? Yep. Though? So if you're putting a Djokovic against a Zverev in the final, it's, it's so difficult to bet against Djokovic. Talking about one player. If you're telling me who's going to make finals, who's going to make semis, and it, it, it opens up hugely, doesn't it? But just one winner, I think Djokovic will, will do it. And the O2? You guessed Go on, it. Say it, say it. If he's not, <laughs> if he's not toast by then... Um, I will go with Djokovic. Okay, four out of five Djokovic. Wow, Miles. Our, by the way, our, our commentator colleague, Robbie Koenig, um, famously now from the O2, went for Djokovic to win all four Grand Slams this year. So I don't know whether he's going to temper that now that he's, he's got, had he's got Christmas a, he's got a year to think about it. I mean, but he has got who, a chance. Who are you going for? Just copy and paste, really, isn't it? I mean, it's... Uh, you know, if, if we're trying to get, you know, we're having a little bit of fun and we're playing a game and so you're trying to notch up points. I mean, I, I'd like to know, so my answers are Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Djokovic for, you know. But, but Same as well. be, Because, you know, I'd like to know a reason why someone thinks someone else is going to win Wimbledon. And, and of course... Uh, at this stage as well. At this stage, right now. I mean, you know, we don't know. By May, he may have an injury, and then it's it's a mix. But right now, if I had to put my house on somebody to win it, okay. So let me let me have a go because I haven't gone for for that. I've gone for Djokovic to win um, in Australia. 
I've gone for Zverev to win the French because I just feel like it might be his breakthrough moment with Lendl having done so well there and Nadal. There has you, you to be a question like it, mark. But do you really think it is? You believe it, yes. Well, it, if you had to put your six-bedroom mansion on it, would you do it? <laughs> which, which one? With the one Nadal, here, which in France? <laughs> <laughs> with Nadal currently on the sidelines, not in competitive tennis, I'm going to just kind of foresee that that might be a little bit problematic. I'm just going to go out on a limb. I know the safe bet is Nadal, but I'm going to say Zverev. Obviously, it's a big call as well because team you'd, Before, you'd have to I say. Can I remind you? I think Nadal favorite. pulled out of Australia last year. Yeah. Didn't play Indian Wells or Miami. Didn't play in. Didn't play Mexico. He pulled out of Mexico in. in I'm Acapulco. not for a minute questioning Rafa Nadal. I'm just saying that Zverev. I, I, it just might be his breakthrough. I'm just feeling that in it my. It might bones. be. Probably. I, not. I would be very surprised actually if Zverev didn't make a semi-final of a of a major. I'm back this year. on the script for Wimbledon. I think Djokovic will win Wimbledon, and then quite a big call. I, I'm going for Hatchinov to win the U.S. Open. So wow. give, just given what he did Why? to Djokovic, well, given to what he, what he did to Djokovic in Paris, and I know it's over five sets. I know there are lots of reasons why it's a strange call, but I just think by then he may have grown, and I'm backing him to make top eight too. So he's got to get there somehow, and I think he might just have a, a big breakthrough as well. So, and so how about for me. London? And what, yeah, what about London? And London, um, I think. Djokovic will win London. Back on script. He's so angry <laughs> that he's not won the US Open. I, was, I thought you were going to say, with you. <laughs> and with me. Yeah. Uh, okay, right. We are finally on to our last question, the final prediction. It's actually eight predictions. I need the names of the players who will line up at the NITO ATB finals at London's O2 in November. Before I put you both on the spot, let's hear from one of last year's alternates who's desperate to book himself an upgrade this year to the top eight. Here's world number 12, Borna Chorich. For 22-year-old Borna Chorich, 2018 was a breakthrough season. This year, it's been the most consistent year of, of my whole life with, you know, few peaks. Two tournaments, uh, Odenia Wells and Miami, which got me through. That was my uh, breakthrough of the year, I think. With that, I came into top 30, I think, and you know, I started to be seeded on, on some tournaments, and it was uh, just a little bit easier for me. It's Chorich who makes the semi-finals here in Indian Wells. Victory for Borna Chorich here in Miami. I came to Halle. I didn't expect to win a round, to be honest, because I never played good on the grass. So I didn't know what to expect. I was a little bit lucky in some moments of the tournament. But then just the final came and I was playing the best tennis of my life, like I always do against Roger. It is fantastic stuff from Borna Chorich. And, and yeah, I won. A major breakthrough. He's beaten the number one in the world. What a tournament, what a win. You know, I think uh, third peak of my year, which was Shanghai, I, I didn't expect it. It was definitely a surprise. But as the tournament went on, I was, I was playing better and better. I don't know how, to be honest, uh, but it happened. And uh, yeah, it was, it was you know, one of those peaks and also definitely one of the best memories of my whole life. Tremendous character shown by Borna Joric. Novak Djokovic 
is the Rolex Shanghai Masters champion. Sensational week of the singles of the tournament. Brilliant season for the young I played many tennis in the last four months. I need to work on some more specific things. I think it's going to be very beneficial in this uh, three and a half weeks. I'm going to have uh, 25 days of the uh, of the preparation, so yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to it. I think to, uh, first one and a half or two weeks it's going to be more fitness. We're going to focus more on the fitness. Uh, you know, I play one one and a half hour of the tennis. Uh, which is not a lot, obviously, and I do, you know, maybe two and a half or three hours of the gym because, you know, I've, I've played, I played many matches. On, on the things which we're working in the tennis-wise, you know, it's it's pretty much everything. You know, I think we are we are working on on the every shot. Uh, we saw some things which which I can improve, and uh, now we are doing it on the practice. I haven't set the goals, but obviously, you know, I, I'm assuming it's going to be top ten. That's that's one. Of, that's what we're going to set for it, you know, and 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 also to improve in my game. I'm I'm still very young. We see many improvements which I can do. So we, we're going to try to do that, and I think I think ranking is going to follow on that. Obviously, now I came from number 48 to number 12, so it's it's been it's been working very good, and then hopefully next year it can it can only get better. Miles, as his former coach, um, does Borna make it into your top eight? He doesn't. No, I think there's. I mean, there's still some real quality there. Um, yeah, absolutely phenomenal year, and, and the desire. I mean, it is good to see him having success. He's worked so hard, but I think he's made massive changes. He's added firepower to to his game, which was instrumental to the success he's had but there's still some guys out there with bigger firepower who just you know win matches a little more easily in terms of being able to control their own destiny so who have you gone for my uh, my eight are you know, some of the, the usual suspects Djokovic um, Nadal expected to be despite the, the hard court problems we've counted expect him to have another very strong clay court season Zverev Federer of course Nishikori I think is I think I've got to continue with what I've been saying at the end of last year. He was playing a lot of good tennis, and he should be, um, I think he's got some confidence in the tank. Uh, so this could be a big year for him. We haven't talked about him that much, but you know I love watching him play his, his good tennis. I think Dominic Team is going to win a lot of matches, have a solid clay court season, get himself enough. Kevin Anderson, how impressive he was. I think he... I think he's comfortable in the top 10 now. I think he expects he expects to be there. His game is big. He can win matches on his own terms. And then that left me a bit of a... Uh, I wasn't sure because I thought, uh, you know, the names I had out there, Del Potro, who was pushing for number one at one stage, Isner, who I think should be a regular top 10. Chilich, who's played some great tennis. But I'm going to throw a little bit of fresh blood in. And as I mentioned earlier... Karen Hatcherov. I had to. I was wrestling between him and Sitsipas because I think Sitsipas ready to make a move. Um, and the reason I mention Sitsipas, who didn't quite make it, is because we're probably going to need an alternate at some stage. Because you know how you know we've seen the guys pull out, and so 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 those are my eight with Sitsipas just waiting in the wings. Okay, off. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of the usual suspects as well. Yeah, my list is uh, Djokovic, uh, Federer. Nadal, he's going to win a lot on the clay team. Going to win a lot throughout the course of the year, especially on the on the clay. Going to go with uh, Sasha Zverev. 
I'm going to go with Del Potro. I'm going to go with Del Potro. I think he's going to have another good year. Just hope uh, that that knee is healing nicely. Uh, Nishikori, been very impressed with Nishikori, the way he's playing. He's kind of added a new dimension to his game. I just hope he, he sticks with it and he's looking strong. And then for me, it was a toss-up between Chilich and Anderson. And Chilich... I mean, we don't talk enough about Chilich and how good he is. You kind of think when it comes to the big tournaments, he's always there, but you never see him, you know, lifting the trophy. But he's going to make a semi, he's going to make a final, he's going to do well, he's going to have a very consistent year. And for that reason, uh, I'm going to go with Chilich. Okay. My eight, Djokovic, Zverev, Federer, Nadal, Chilich, Nishikori, Team Hachinov. Nice to see you've got Hachinov in there as well. I think he'll have a great year. I mean, commentator's curse, obviously. Finally, um, this was approached in a number of ways last year. I'm quite, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm almost dreading this. Whose was the dullest headline? Somebody somebody predicted a headline was like Federal wins tournament. I I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it might have been Peter McCarter, something like eight players qualify for London. Yeah, it was something like that. I don't know. He'll he'll have to remind us what that was. Um, Okay. Are, are we going to allow Roger Federer wins 100th tournament, for example? Because that would be pretty dull, in my opinion. That's very dull, because that's going to no, happen. That's not headline it? of the that's year. Not, okay, no. I'm going Roger less Federer red top. doesn't win 100th of the year. Yeah, that's, that's more of a headline. Quite yeah, big, yeah. I'm, I'm going less red top this year. I'm going to say what mine is first, and then you can, um, you, you can ridicule it. Sasha Zverev delivers on Grand Slam promise. There you go. Sasha Zverev to win his first Grand Slam. It's uh, it's 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 pretty big. It's out there, but what are uh, you going for, Mark? No, that's uh, that that is a big uh, would be a big deal. Someone else, you know, breaking that stranglehold by the top. Am I allowed to go the same headline as last year? Because eventually I'll be right. <laughs> I picked one of the last Remind year. I said us? one of the uh, one of the big uh, big four. Maybe I expand that to big five retiring. I mean, I'm going to be right eventually, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> so if it's two, do you get it wrong? No, because it'll be one and one other. <laughs> Okay, so you'll go for retirement. Oh. Retirement. Yeah, I had a bit of difficulty thinking about this because, yeah, it's what, you know, I got a bit of a hard time last year for, for saying Del Potro wins his first Masters 1000. I thought that was quite a good one, but a few, few of you guys were a bit kind of, well, that's not a headline, but I thought it was quite a big headline. I mean, winning your first and coming back. The clues there are in quite a big headline. Yeah, well, well, it was a big headline anyway. So I'm going to think outside the box. A little bit. Not go with a particular player, but a, a bit of a different scenario. I don't know if it's a headline. You guys can j- judge it. But I think come March 2019, the World Tour Finals will be moving after the, the, it, their contract is done. <sighs> don't know where. Be. Don't know where. I know there's shortlist. Singapore. I think Manchester. Uh, a couple of others. Tokyo in Tokyo. There, I think. And is it Turin? Is it Turin? I Whatever. think so. Yeah. Yep. I think it's going to move. So that's my headline. It's a big call. He's taken into the realms of politics. Remind us, when would that be from? From 2021. Okay, so we'd still have another year in London, guaranteed. Yes, but the decision is being made in March this year. That was a lot of fun. So just let's just remind ourselves who you've gone for for the first Grand Slam of the season, the Australian Open, in a little over a week's time. Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic. And I've gone also for Novak Djokovic. Will it be the Novak Show? 
Will Peter Mercato and Gigi Salmon agree or come up with something a little more exciting? Tune in next week as they are happily reunited in Melbourne to preview the Aussie Open. For now, I'm Seb Lozier and my considerable thanks goes to both Mars McLagan and Arvin Palmer for your time and your unquestioned wisdom. Thanks to you also for listening. Let us know what you think on Twitter at ATP Tennis Radio. Remember, you can now also listen on Spotify. You can get all the latest news and video from the tour at atptour.com. And if you have a moment, visit our iTunes page, leave us a review, and help us climb our very own podcast rankings. Join us then.